I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. When I first tell you about the phone call that eventually brought me face-to-face with the guy who was sitting across the table from me tonight, you're going to wonder why I'm buying him dinner. He's a nice-looking young guy, young enough so the girls would still call him a hunk, and just old enough to be a member of the Louie Louie generation. He looks a little bit like Anderson Cooper. You know the TV news guy? His name is Walter and he keeps himself in top physical condition because he's a cross-country bike racer. And the careful way that he cuts his steak, thin slices, uses his knife like a surgeon, makes it pretty clear that he's one of those very precise people, you know? A place for everything and everything in its place. So I know he noticed when my lady wonder wench laughs, she always lifts her left shoulder a little bit. It was my lady wonder wench's friend, Martha, who made the call that I'm telling you about. It was a a terrible, beautiful, warm, early summer day. Martha's voice was shaking on the phone. She just said, come quickly. And she said she was watching a man kissing a woman lying in the grass, a woman who didn't make the slightest move to resist when he unbuttoned her blouse. And she said, it's wonder wench. And I was stunned. Lady Wonder Wench and I have been together for a very long time. We've laughed and cried together, brought up kids, cared for each other when we got sick, and made love in a quiet forest. We took moonlight Christmas Eve flights together in our little airplane. She kissed my dad just moments before he died. She was my mom's best friend. We met at a radio station in Boston. She was in charge of scheduling the commercials, and I was on the air. I used to screw up the schedule on purpose because I knew that then she'd have to come into the studio to fix the log and straighten things out. And she'd come in, you know, and give me one of those looks and sit down by the control board, and and she'd take a, a deep sigh and look down at the book to fix the schedule. And I caught her looking at me once through that curtain of her long, soft, dark hair. Just a quick flash of bright blue, and then, then her left shoulder lifted a little. I'm pretty sure that I heard a very quiet little giggle. She was a skier. She had a kind of figure that upsets the testosterone balance of 95% of the male residents for at least three surrounding zip codes. She had a, an easy smile and dancer's walk, voice that sounded like syrup pouring on pancakes. The day we met, I think I said something clever like, hello. (laughs) And I honestly don't remember saying anything else. Because when she turned around to answer me, my eyes and my voice and everything I could think of to say next just kind of fell into her soft. She did lovely things. She sometimes wore ribbons in her hair. 
Once she bobby-pinned the dandelion just above her left ear. I never knew if she was wearing perfume or if she had just come from a shower. And she always carried a lump of sugar, just in the chance that she might pass a cop somewhere who had a horse. Every once in a while, when she was walking someplace, she'd, she'd just stop right in the middle of the sidewalk to, to watch the changing shape and color of a cloud at sunset. So after a while, she became my friend. Sometimes I think she was my only friend. And then one night, well, there's a story about what happened that night in the Bedtime Stories personal audio CD. It's called Nothing Happened. Nothing happened. Right in the middle of loving you. Just a small nothing. Small change. A quick time out. A flash of pumpkin where we left Cinderella's carriage. For just an instant there was a speck of dust left floating in the air where you were. Nothing much. Nothing like calling you by somebody else's name or forgetting the second line of a poem that you're supposed to recite in the third grade. It was just a clue, not the end of the mystery. I used to be afraid of a lot of nothings, even little ones like that. One of the toughest things that you're taught while you're growing up was always be tough. Act as if nothing hurts. Remember when you were a little kid and you got so happy that you'd spin around till you got dizzy? And you were convinced that God was so pleased with you that when you fell down and laughed, he would spin the world the other way a few turns for you. Just for you. So he could hear you laugh again. But nobody else noticed. Nobody else cared. Actually, nobody else believed in God enough to think that he would really turn the world the other way just for you. That nobody else became the guy who made the rules. Don't be guilty of enjoying yourself too much. The winner is the guy who dies with the biggest collection of toys. Love is perfect, or it isn't love. All those rules. That could have been the same nobody else who noticed the first time I touched you. But I think it was the other way around. The first time I touched you was the first time I started noticing nobody else. It was nothing much the first time I touched you. It was a long time, a divorce, and some now grown-up children ago, in an all-night diner, with red formica tabletops, old soda fountain handles behind the counter, and a fresh vat of very black coffee. The sleet outside was scratching at the window, mirroring the buzzing red neon sign. It was time for middle-of-the-night jokes, tired giggles, and a last cup of coffee together before driving separate roads to places called home. Nothing new for us. Did I catch you watching me, or did you catch me first? I don't remember. It was just an instant. It was a long time ago. But I do remember clearly that suddenly nobody else was everywhere. It was an instant full of elbows and feet, like when you meet someone walking down the street and you both step the same way to get past and you keep bumping into each other. My hand tried to touch you, but my arm wouldn't move. Yours did. You touched my fingertips without letting go of my eyes. And then without a word, with a look on your face as if you'd just been shot, the back of your hand lifted slowly to your lips. And for an instant, 
We couldn't even breathe. I was very used to nothing in my life. You get so used to sleet scratching at a window that you don't even hear it. But suddenly your eyes changed from June blue skies to midsummer thunderstorms. And without a warning, lightning was blazing in the ice. Time froze and bridges burned behind us. We were two wrong people. Two people with nothing in common. Two people with everything to lose. Two grown-up kids who still believe that sometimes God does turn the world the other way just to hear a human laugh, living our lives as if we have nothing to lose. Isn't it strange how your whole life can explode because of something so small, a, a look that lasts a moment longer than it should? shoulder that lifts a little bit when she laughs. That's called Nothing Happened. It's from the Bedtime Stories personal audio CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to DickSummer.com and download it from the Bedtime Stories icon. Dick's Details, a bunch of fascinating but totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake out the other and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. If you are an average American this year, you will walk about four and a half miles while making your bed. (laughs) That is going to look really weird to the neighbors, too. The AMA says an average of two people a year die of flatulence. How do they do that? I mean, do they blow up? (laughs) And those same AMA guys say every person has a unique smell. You're not kidding, especially if you happen to be around one of those two guys who die because of flatulence. Can you imagine saying somebody died of a fart attack? Dicks the tails. They take your mind off your mind. So you will say, what's with this guy, Walter? The guy was sitting across the table from me at dinner tonight. The guy was kissing my lady wonder wench and unbuttoning her blouse in that beautiful grassy field last summer. It took me seven months to find him, to take him to dinner tonight. His full name is Walter Adamek, Dr. Walter Adamek. And he happened to be riding his bike past the field that beautiful, awful, early summer day when my lady was thrown from her horse and fell unconscious to the ground and the kiss he gave her was the kiss of life, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He unbuttoned her blouse to pound on her chest to start her heart beating again and it stopped. He knew her neck was broken, so he stayed with her to see that nobody moved her till an ambulance took her to the hospital. Then he just got on his bike, didn't say another word. He just got back on his bike and he rode away. I didn't take him to dinner until tonight because it took me all that time to find him. I'm going to take him for a little sightseeing ride in my airplane, too, just to thank him in some small way. 
for saving the life of the lady with the sparkling blue eyes. The girl who wore a flower in her long, shining, dark hair. My looker at sunset clouds, my best friend, my wife. <laughs> he noticed. I knew he would. When she laughs, she can lift her left shoulder a little again. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths, come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.